Hi Legends! My name is Sharka Bechová and I'll be taking you through today's episode of Legend Element podcast. If you like what we do, you can support us by purchasing a hand-printed t-shirt at legendelement.com or you can become our patron at patreon.com slash legendelement. Thank you! Emma Dutton is an Australian professional aerialist and circus artist. She won Miss Lyra Australia. So she won Miss Lyra Australia in 2018 and in 2019 Emma won silver in the Australian Circus Festival. Emma has performed in many shows including the legendary Cirque du Soleil. And she's joining us on call from Vancouver in Canada where she currently works and lives. Hello Emma, how are you doing? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome. <laughs> so you do mainly lira, which is a metal hoop hanging from the ceiling and straps, which are basically two yeah, straps that you hold on to. How did you choose these two apparatus? So I used to do pole dancing. I got into it just like for fun. Um, I thought it looked really cool and I wanted to try it out. So I was doing that just for um, a couple of months. And at the studio I was training at, they also had Lyra classes. And that's the first time I like ever saw a Lyra. And I just thought that looked really awesome and I wanted to give it a go. So I did a couple of turns at that pole studio, learning how to do Lyra and then really, really loved it. And so I decided to go to like a more of like a circus school and continue training there. So that's how I like discovered Lyra. And then from there on, I kind of discovered circus and all the other apparatuses. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you started? I was 22. Yeah, 22. Mm, it's kind of like, you know, defying the fact that usually we think like a dancer or acrobat should start when they're babies. So how come you were able to start when you were 22? Yeah, so um, I did do gymnastics when I was younger. I started gymnastics when I was about 11. So that's a bit, a little bit later than a lot of people start. So mm-hmm. definitely I wasn't ever going to, you know, go to the Olympics or anything like that. I did it from 11 till the age of 16. So only five years. And um, I did some competitions just on like a state kind of level. But I think having those five years of gymnastics under my belt like was a great foundation so I kind of knew a lot about like body movement and had a like good body awareness and good level of flexibility and kind of base level of strength I guess from having mm-hmm. that experience so that really helped me that was fantastic um but yeah still a lot of work <laughs> for mm-hmm. sure Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember at some point we were classmates and like yeah, sure you were that like strong bendy girl. But how did you get from that to be the winner of Miss Lyra Miss Lyra Australia and you know this international artist who travels the world to perform? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> hours and hours question. of training. <laughs> yeah, it was never really my plan to be honest. Like it was just a hobby. 
But I'm kind of like I have this personality where when I get into something like it kind of takes over my life before I even realize and I just loved it so much that I started to train like more and more and more to the point where I guess it wasn't a hobby anymore because I was like training every day. So yeah, then I thought why not enter a competition and I guess that was also a good way to test out how I would be on stage because like I'd done a lot of training but like the competition Miss Lyra was sort of the first time I ever actually performed on aerial hoop I was so nervous and yeah so I think after I did that first competition and I kind of survived and had my first on-stage experience that was when I really thought like okay like I could do this like I could actually um you know make this performing thing like a career I suppose and yeah and then I just kept training and like looking for small gig opportunities and stuff around Sydney and then it just kind of grew from there so yeah and and I also had I mean I think it's worth mentioning like I had some fantastic industry connections like my coach was so supportive of me and definitely put me in touch with a lot of people that helped me on the journey and I couldn't have done it on my own. So like I had a whole network of support, which was amazing. How many hours a day do you train now? So at the moment, it's a little bit hard to motivate myself with the pandemic and whatnot. But um, I have been trying to train, you know, five days a week. Um, I like to train for about three hours. I feel like I can get a good amount of work done in three hours and that by the end of that, I'm pretty exhausted. So three hours mm. a day, roughly four or five days a week. Mm-hmm. How did uh, COVID change the life of a professional circus artist? For me, it really changed my life a lot um, mm. because I think at the end of last year, things really started to kick off for me performance-wise. It was a really exciting time. I just participated in the circus festival in November and then straight on from there I went and performed at the Australian Tattoo Expo and then I went on to do my contracts with so my contract was with Cirque du Soleil and the show was produced by a company formerly known as the Works Entertainment who had been bought by Cirque du Soleil so it was kind of like part of Cirque du Soleil but not one of the big top shows so we were performing in theaters I got to perform in the Sydney Opera House which was very cool But yeah, so all those really cool things happened and I thought I was kind of on a roll, like, you know, performing was my full-time job. And yeah, and then the pandemic happened and performing just every opportunity was gone because, you know, show, shows weren't happening and stuff like that. So that was definitely an adjustment. And yeah, my life just became like training and, and waiting for, you know, life to go back to normal. And you're currently in Canada, so you went to train there. Yeah, so um, that had been my plan for a long time. Um, my partner and I had planned to move to Canada in February. So we were going to come here. He's living in Vancouver. He's Australian, but um, he has some work, had a work opportunity over here, not circus related, um, but he also had family here. So... I was going to come to Vancouver with him. I was going to spend a little bit of time in Vancouver, but then split my time between Vancouver and Montreal. A lot of people probably don't realize this, but Montreal is like the circus hub of the world in terms of 
Cirque du Soleil headquarters are based there. They have fantastic coaches there. And a lot of artists will, you know, in between touring and stuff, go to Montreal just to train and improve their skills and make new acts and stuff like that. So that was kind of my plan was to, um, you know, split my time between Vancouver and Montreal and develop some new acts and network and, you know, look for more performing opportunities. But I mean, since the pandemic happened, I've stayed in Vancouver. I've ended up staying here because all of the circus schools in Montreal were closed. And I thought this was just a good time to to spend with my boyfriend who I hadn't seen for a long time because I'd been touring. So Hmm. that's why I'm here right now. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, we are only audio, so people don't see these incredible things you do. So can you maybe first describe actually what is it that you do? How can we imagine? And then tell us how do you create an act like that? So basically on the aerial hoop, how, how do I describe it? It's kind of tricky. It's, um, it's an aerial apparatus. So basically you're on a line um, that is rigged into the ceiling and um, of, of the venue that you're performing in. And you have a winch, so basically that takes you up and down. Most of the performance is high up in the air. So usually when I'm performing, when I was performing in Cirque Stratosphere, um, I was probably about six or seven meters high, which is kind of the limit of my comfort. Like, I wouldn't normally perform any higher than that. And then depending on venues, like it can be lower. So there's a lot of spinning and swinging and doing tricks like while you're in motion in the air. And of course, to a piece of music. So it, uh, an act is usually about four or five minutes long. Or, or they can be like six or seven, to be honest. And yeah, and so creating an act, it's it takes a long time. For me, and I'm, I can only speak for myself, but I'm sure it's true for most artists, it's a very, like, emotional process. Like, I find it quite mentally draining. Yeah, not even so much physically draining as mentally draining because, like, it's almost like a puzzle. You've got to find, like, the right moments to put the right tricks and the right transitions and make everything fit with the phrasing of the music You're telling a story at the same time. Of course, you don't just want to string a bunch of tricks together. You want to like actually make the audience feel something. So there's like a lot to think about and a lot of pieces that come together. So yeah, it's, it can take me like a good few months to make an act and then a few more months of performing it to perfect it really. Like the first time an act hits the stage, it's honestly, it's never quite ready. And I think you learn a lot about your act from actually performing it and seeing like the audience response to it and all that kind of thing so yeah it's it's very complicated mm. what is your or do you have like a theme that you like do you like to make like funny acts or like dramatic or yeah it's funny um i always tend to gravitate towards like kind of really like emotional and like sad acts i don't know why like i I often tell myself, okay, the next time I'm making an act, like I'm going to make a really sexy, like fun act because I love that kind of cabaret circ style. And like a lot of my performances have been in that kind of that style. So it's the fusion of like cabaret and burlesque with circus. But um, yeah, I found that when like 
I'm competing or I'm making an act for a competition, I tend to go for more like dramatic, sad acts. And I'm usually trying to tell a personal story. So I think perhaps that's just because, you know, when you think about like really influential points in your life, you often think about like overcoming adversity or, or something like that, right? So mm. that's usually just feeds into my act. It's like, okay, something that really stands out to me and it, and it usually is like, yeah, like just adversity that I've gotten through. It seems to translate really well into storytelling. So that's basically what usually happens. Um, and then, of course, I've done a few like sexy acts for those kind of cabaret shows that I've mentioned as well. When you said you're speaking from your like personal experience and your lived story, it, it wasn't always like sparkly costumes and applause. You went through some really rough times when you were suffering from eating disorders when you were younger. Yeah, I did. Um, it was quite a long time ago. Like I was, I was young when I developed an eating disorder and specifically I had anorexia. So that was when I was a teenager and I dealt with that throughout basically most of high school. Even though it was a long time ago, it doesn't really feel like it, like it, because it was such a big part of my life. But um, yeah, basically like I was very ill and, um, you know, physically unwell to the point where I was in hospital a lot of the time so I missed a lot of school and um that kind of stands out to me as like one of the biggest things I've overcome and you know I still I think that overcoming an eating disorder is a lifelong journey so it's something that I'm still working through but for the most part yeah I have come out the other side of it so that's mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> I'm, I guess I'm proud of myself for that Yeah, of course. Like, do you find it that living in the circus world when the attention is on your body, do you find it like it's actually helping you or it's challenging at the same time? You know what? It can be both, definitely. Um, I think for the most part, though, circus has helped my relationship with my body because, you know, I think like post-eating disorder recovery, I still had a very complicated relationship with my body and this was you know um just after I'd recovered so in my early 20s and and just before I started circus and I was yeah I was kind of in this place where I was like you know I don't feel the need to starve myself or anything like that but I still don't feel like very comfortable or happy in my body and I think that finding circus was a big turning point for me because it was like Yeah, it really changed the way I, I felt about myself and looked at myself. I started to think about my body, not in terms of how it looked, but like what it could do. And um, that was huge. And even though there is a bit of, you know, pressure in the industry in terms of like you need to be, you know, there's an ideal body shape and, and weight, I guess. I do think in comparison to other creative industries it is a bit more accepting so I think definitely these days as well there is you know I'm not saying it's perfect but there's definitely place for everyone like you know whether you have tattoos whether you're not quite the ideal you know body weight or you look different or, or you're non-binary like or you're you know a minority in some way I think that 
you know, we're getting better. We still have a lot of work to do, but there is more acceptance there than I experienced personally in the gymnastics world, for example. I think that that sport is a long way behind. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think for the most part, like, I've come to really appreciate my body because without my body, I couldn't have done all these things that I did. And, yeah, and it's, I just look at it differently now and I think it has, yeah, it's, it's been really good for me. Mm. Yeah, I think I understand because for me it's the same. As you said, like it's a turning point when it's like not how my body looks like, but what it can do. And it can do amazing things like you bend in half, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> do you think this could be a way for people like who probably are not going to get to the level of like Cirque du Soleil, but to get to enjoy their like physical body? So go and do circus? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think not just circus, I think, yeah, just it, like rock climbing, yoga, like any of those kind of things where like the focus is more on what you can achieve and it's like a little bit different and it, it's a little bit out there. And so, you, yeah, you do get that sense of like achieving something quite unique. I found when I was just going to like the gym and stuff, like the gym was so like image focus like people were in there you know training for like those bodybuilding competitions and stuff so that kind of an exercise environment just I just didn't like it but I think when you look kind of outside the box and you look at things like circus or yeah I don't know what other examples come to mind like rock climbing I guess mm -hmm. like even dance like dance as well um it's usually something a lot of people like haven't tried before so even just giving it a go you know they realize that like their body can do something that they never thought their body could do. Or, or in my case, it was like that. Like if mm. you had told me that I'd be doing what I'm doing now, I don't know, like five years ago, I'd be like, what? There's no way I could do that. That's crazy. Only like insanely talented people can do that. But, you know, a lot of people don't even try. And you don't have to, like you said, get to, to the level of Cirque du Soleil, but you can do a few classes and I, I'm sure most people would feel so proud. I watched my like beginners because I teach as well. I watched them come in and, and do like an aerial hoop class for the first time. And they're absolutely blown away by what they can do just in that first class. It's like they would never have thought they could do those things, but they can. And I hope that everyone who comes to my classes can kind of appreciate that, that they, they did something amazing. Hmm. What about pain? I <laughs> see you covered in bruises and I think everybody who's ever tried aerials. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> bruises and scratches and wounds. I do. Yeah. I do tell my students like hold on and stick it out because the pain does go away. That's another amazing thing about the human body is that we can adapt to to pain so well. Like the things that used to cause me a lot of pain when I first started circus I like I don't even notice anymore. I think that the the pain aspect, yeah, I don't know. In a way, it almost made me want it more because it was so painful in the beginning and everyone kept telling me, like, it gets better, it gets better. Yeah, and that just made me want to work harder because I was like, I want to get to the point where it's not painful anymore as well. So, <laughs> yeah, so that just kind of motivated me. Do you hide your bruises or do you wear them as badges of honor? 
it's kind of disappointing I don't get that many bruises anymore because again it's just like my body has adjusted and it doesn't react <laughs> it's it's like no we're used to this now yeah but um when I do get a bruise I know I'm quite proud of it usually <laughs> yeah <laughs> And what about fear, Emma? We often in this like Legend Element podcast interview people who do sort of adrenaline sports. And I guess nobody would have thought about like, you know, a gymnast in a sparkly leotard as somebody who has to conquer fear. But you're hanging like so high in the air. Are you afraid? Are you scared? Do you have adrenaline? To be honest, I've always been quite a fearless person. I have always been in a bit of an adrenaline junkie so like I always wanted to go on like the crazy scary roller coasters and like always wanted to do skydiving and stuff like that which I have done now it was very fun so it hasn't been as much of a factor but it definitely has been to some extent I was quite terrified the first time I got winched up and and actually trained up high right because a lot of the training you do initially is just you you have the hoop rigged at like a height you can grab it from the ground so the first time I was taken up in the air with no safety harness just sitting in the hoop wow I really felt like so fragile and yeah uh, that that was scary and but I just got used to it and um I think that I trained almost smarter after that because I knew that the stakes were higher, right? So I was like, before I get winched up, I want to know that I'm super, super comfortable with everything that I'm doing. And I've been silly before. Like I've definitely, I don't know, I think like thrown tricks that I probably should have practiced more and stuff like that. And I had a bad injury at the beginning of the year as well. And that definitely was a little bit of a wake up call for me. I was like, you need to be more careful because I was being a bit too fearless. Have you ever fallen down from height? Yeah, I so this this I had a fall at the beginning of the year. Um in oh well yeah, March or April I think. I did fall. So I fell not from too high. I was just training, but I fell in like a bad kind of position. I had my neck stuck out and I broke my neck in two places. Um so that was awful and since then I've kind of it yeah it's made me be a little bit more sensible definitely um and I had people tell me like I've had people tell me in the past like you're a bit too reckless you need to realize that accidents happen and sadly I think I kind of learned the hard way so mm. yeah crash mats and lots of training and understand your technique and what you're doing that's very important hmm. how long can an aerialist perform Uh, in terms of like career mm. yeah so uh, this is the thing I love about aerial and circus is I feel like it has such a long lifespan like again I'm going to compare it to something I know like gymnastics where a lot of gymnasts will retire in their early 20s it's just not the case for circus like it's very common for people to be doing circus like into their 40s and um some circus legends that I know they, you know, were, were still performing with Cirque du Soleil in like their late 30s, which is amazing. And a lot of like ex-gymnasts or ex-acrobats and things like that, because they kind of are forced to retire in the early 20s, will transition into circus and keep going. So yeah, there's, I mean, you can never be too old, I think. <laughs> 
Emma, you spoke about circus legend. So who is your legend? Oh, I had such a difficult time with this question because there's a few. Can I say like a few people? Of course you can, yeah. So um, so just a couple of legends like in my own personal life, not to do with circus. Definitely my sister and my boyfriend just because I think they're just legends in that they've been so supportive and like the selflessness and the love that they've shown me I think makes them legends in the circus world I just think my coaches are legends like they've basically gotten me to where I am now taught me everything I know so shout out to my coach Jack he's been my longest running coach I guess and we're now very very good friends so um he kind of yeah like mentored me right from the start of my journey and he's amazing and then another legend is another woman who I have trained under just a little bit but I definitely want to train under her more and her name is Marie Michelle she is a certified circus legend she is a Cirque du Soleil veteran her aerial hoop act is absolutely incredible and so inspiring and she's also just such a genuine lovely person And an amazing coach. So she's a complete legend all round. Hmm. Well, thank you so much, Emma, for taking your time and talking to us on Legend Element Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been fantastic. This was Emma Dutton, Australian acrobat and aerialist who is currently living in Canada. She was talking to us about her life in circus and her obstacles she had to overcome. If you got inspired by her or if you would like to know who she would take out for dinner, head to our Patreon. So that's patreon.com slash legend element to find out more. My name is Sharka Pechova and it was my pleasure taking you through this episode and talking to Emma.